0: This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at slash Kendo UI. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Views on Vue. This week on our panel, we have. Chris Fritz. Hi. Divya Sussideran. Hello. I always feel weird like I'm blowing it when I say your name. Sorry. I think it's Sussideran.
1: It's Sussideran.
0: Sussideran. Yes. Yes. I think I need to just write that down. Uh, Eric Hanchett. Hello. Hello. And then we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. I just saw a random space that said Joe on it. And I'm like, Joe, (laughs) I'm having a rough day, folks. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we have a few special guests. We have Tracy Lee. Hi, everybody. Ben Lesh. Hello. And Jay Phelps.
2: Hello, hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on.
0: Now, uh, we're going to be talking about reactive programming in Vue. And there are so many places to start. um, But I'm going to start us off by talking about uh, RxJS, specifically RxJS 6, which was released not that long ago. So do you want to talk briefly about the differences there and, and, and what that means to people? Uh, uh, sure, I can I can
3: answer that. So uh, RxJS 6 was released uh, f- a few months ago. Um, the primary differences are that it is moving towards the pipeable operators. Those were actually, actually released in uh, 5.5. Uh, so there were really kind of two ways to use operators. One was dot chained, where you're adding... Uh, methods to observable. And the other is pipeable operators, where you're actually taking these uh, functions and kind of composing them with uh, pipe method on observable. And we're moving towards that because there's a lot of benefits for uh, better tree shaking. It's a lot easier for people to make their own custom operators and, and things like that. So uh, overall, it's a big win uh, as far as application size goes in particular. Uh, so we're moving towards that in RxJS 6. Um, and then if you want to update uh, to RxJS 6, but you don't have time to go through and update all of your dot-chained operators that you're using from RxJS 5, there's an RxJS compat package you can just install and it magically works. Um, the only other major breaking change in 6 to talk about would be that uh, the error handling has changed slightly for edge cases where people are synchronously throwing errors before it would synch- synchronously just rethrow the error. And that caused some pretty uh nasty bugs that would be a little bit too in depth to talk about right now but uh what it does now is it actually throws rethrows the error on a different call stack um uh so you still see the error reported but it doesn't uh cause the the crazy bugs so that's that's the only breaking change that some people have to work around and usually that manifests itself in um broken tests so somebody is like saying i'm i expect this to throw uh that actually is, a, is, a, is the only place that I've, I've really seen people have issues when they're updating.
4: I'm actually curious. Could we take a, a step back for a moment and just explain to people who have never heard of like RxJS, like what, what is this thing? Uh, sure.
5: It's hot pink. It has a logo. It's an electric eel.
4: <laughs> nice. Those are all the important parts. One, all I need to know, obviously, <laughs> I need it in my application. <laughs>
5: Sometimes when you go to sushi restaurants, the the fish thing that they have kind of looks like an RXJS logo.
4: I believe they made the fish after RXJS, right? Like they it was signed after, yes. after the library.
5: <laughs> go ahead, Ben. Go ahead.
3: No, no, I was I was gonna let I was gonna
2: let you or Jay take this one because uh, <laughs> I answer this one all the time.
5: Uh, I'll let Jay take it since I did the, the main
2: <laughs> Sure. Well I mean RXJS is just it's uh it's a lot of things to a lot of people so because it can do a lot of things the the quick like elevator pitch is always that it's like low dash for async you know so it's like a utility library to better handle your very complex asynchronous stuff and but that's it's super oversimplifying it because you can do a lot of things synchronous and and um, you know it, it's really you can use it a little bit like you, you would use like a Lodash library, like in the sense of you can use it just to make your Ajax requests and have a nice cancelable primitive for canceling or aborting your Ajax. Or you can go full on and like write a majority of your business logic in RX.js. And there's the whole methodology with RXJS is like this reactive programming. Um, which if you're familiar if you're familiar with data flow programming, it's actually very, very similar. It's like the yin to the yang type of thing. Um, but it it's, it's um it's kind of hard to explain verbally uh, the, the big thing is that you're gonna have uh, it's, it's, it's very declarative and it really goes all in on the functional programming uh, style of, of doing things so you have things they call operators which are just functions that you compose together things like map filter reduce the things you'd be familiar with in your arrays but instead of dealing with a a set that is finite like you know zero through eight like in an array you have a stream so you're dealing with things that could be uh, like a stream could could never emit or it could emit one item or it could emit for forever for you know infinitely emit and and never terminate and that's the beauty of a stream is that it's 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 infinitely flexible so i think that that's the 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 quick pitch Uh, ben or tracy do you have anything you want to add
5: I would add that it's uh, if you think about RxJS, it's actually the most popular and well-known reactive programming paradigm. So I think it's up to what eight million downloads a month. If you look at uh, both RxJS four and five slash six
3: packages, oh, actually, it's it's there's been a weird uptick uh, recently. Uh-huh. It's down it's down to eight million. It's up to eight million a month just with RxJS five by itself.
5: Yeah, yeah. and People then if you weirdly
4: like you, huh? Weird. <laughs> It's pretty strange.
5: And if you look at um, if you look at RxJS six or five and up, what do we say now? Five and up, six and yeah, up, I guess five whatever up. it is, five and up. Um, it's actually the reference implementation to the TC thirty nine observable proposal. Uh, that's still at stage one.
3: So, so to explain oh. what we're talking about here, the, there was Microsoft started uh, RxJS uh, ages ago, and they published an npm package Rx, just Rx, uh, and it still exists. And that went up to version four, and then starting with version five, it became an open source community effort that wasn't really owned by any company. Uh, and that's when I started working on it. And uh, it uh, has been so sort of five and six, and that's that's published as RxJS on npm. So whenever you're talking about the numbers of how many people are using Rx, uh, there is how many people are using RxJS, and how many people are using uh, like Rx the package, which is the you know version one through four. Um, so there's, there's still a little bit of confusion around that. Uh, everyone should be using RxJS now that they're doing something new. Uh, the numbers on the old Rx are kind of just steady, um, presumably apps that have existed for a long time or, or are in a uh, maintenance state uh, that, are, that keep using uh, old Rx.
6: And Ben, how does VU Rx fit into it all?
3: Uh so VueRx is a library that's actually maintained by the Vue community, the View org on GitHub. Um, it is uh, a set of pretty interesting adapters for uh making dealing with observables more ergonomic in Vue.
5: I've used it without VueRx though, and it's worked pretty well. I love the idea that it's just uh if if most of your, your application logic is in RXJS, written in RxJS, you can just I've basically just copy pasted my Angular app into a Vue app and been done with it. It's taken maybe about half an hour to do.
3: Right, small right. demo app. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you definitely don't need to use VRX if you're using RxJS with Vue. Uh, what VRX adds is some helpers to um, get streams of events from uh, like user interactions um, or to subscribe to observables and kind of manage your subscriptions for you uh so that it's just it's just kind of a set of helpers around common tasks that you might have to do with with uh rxjs and it's, it's a pretty small library
6: i see it exposes like vm dot dollar sign observables so you can do stuff like that yeah yeah so uh, honestly
3: i don't have a ton of experience with that other than uh th- with it other than today i actually submitted a pr um uh, to VRX to update it to version 6 because I had been CC'd on another PR by John Lindquist uh, who uh, had gone about updating some things and, and uh, I had some of my own ideas about how it should probably be up updated that were different so uh, there's two PRs out there you um, should take mine Just <laughs> no, John, I,
4: I John's a great guy I John. think we might by the, time, uh, by the time people are listening to this that should probably be
3: merged Great, great. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, uh, there should, there should be some, some good, uh, bundling benefits to, to updating, uh, that to version six. But yeah. So my most of my experience with the VRX library has been going through and grokking the code. Oh, which is kind of funny. I, I was joking, uh, with my, my friend, uh, Romor, Rob, uh, Wormald today, because I'm on the Angular team. So I used, I used, uh, an hour of my time to contribute to Vue, of course, because that makes total sense for someone on the Angular team to be doing. We help each other out, right? 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 It's yeah. friendly. Yep. So rising tide and all.
7: Hey, could we just take a just a little bit of a step back uh, into the basics of RXJS and kind of? I think one of the interesting questions to sort of field out and address is if somebody to say, "Well, isn't RXJS just a more complex form of promises?" Oh yeah. So yeah, I actually yeah. have an example that I
4: could throw out there. That could give you like a what if, like, why would I use Rx instead of promises in this case? Okay, cool. I'll do it. So let's say I have like a post comments component. And in my post comments component, I'm fetching a bunch of comments. So that's, you know, one API call. And then for each comment, I want to like make another API call to fetch the user that made that comment so that I can like show some user information beside that. And let's say, like, you know, I don't have access to this API to, you know, just get that information, like, all together. I can't design a new endpoint or something. So I have to do this kind of, like, inefficient process of, like, 30 different API calls, you know, for, like, 30 comments and then, like, one user for each comment. And I'm using promises for that, you know. Yeah. I go through and iterate through each one and I get um, a user for each one. And then when when all of those are done, you know maybe I'll use Promise all. Then I'll I'll set all my data. Right. So like it's already working with promises. Like why would I use why would I use RxJS? What value does that bring?
3: Uh, you don't have to use RxJS, but uh, so there's there are there is some value to this. For one, you can compose exactly the beha- same behavior that you uh, talked about with promises uh, with observables. And it wouldn't actually even look that much different. Um, uh, You could also have your results stream out individually and update your view a little bit faster for people if you wanted. Um, Arguably, you could probably do that with promises too. But one big thing is if you go and you make a request with a promise and then that's feeding into another uh, call that's going to return a promise. So let's say you have 30 promise resolutions pending. And then the user's like, uh, I don't like this page, I'm leaving. Then you have these these 30 requests that are going to come back. Uh, the, all of whatever the HTTP logic that you're dealing with is going to resolve these promises, execute a bunch of code, probably allocate a whole bunch of objects uh, that it thinks that you're going to want, and then decide, then it's going to realize, oh, I'm not using any of these objects, and then it's going to block your thread to garbage collect all of them. So you have this uh, whole massive bit of of, uh, kind of inefficiency that's involved there. Uh, The thing about observables is observables are, um, they're lazy. And when you subscribe to them, they give you back the subscription object that allows you to cancel the subscription by calling unsubscribe. And when you cancel that subscription, it's actually going to go in and every observable implementation of of an AJAX request works this way. It's going to go in and, and call abort on the underlying XHR which tells the browser to just drop the responses when they come back from the server and not execute any more JavaScript and not allocate anything else that you need to garbage collect. So um, you, get a, you get a good deal of efficiency out of it. So I, I would say that Promise's best use case is probably uh, AJAX requests, but uh, unfortunately it's not totally adequate for it because you cannot cancel it and the, frequently you don't care about the response of an AJAX request if you, mig- if you navigate away from a page before it's done coming back. So it's, it's, it's hit or miss um, whether or not a promise is, is great or, or not great in those situations. Now, RxJS has a lot of interoperability with promises. So if you have uh, an API that returns a promise to something, you can use it just as you'd use an observable in any of RxJS's APIs. Like anything that accepts an observable as a return value in RxJS will also accept a promise. It just coerces it for you. Uh, you still can't cancel the promise because promises are not cancelable, But uh, it, there's if you're using Rx, uh, it's not going to using promises in different parts of your library isn't really going to impede you very much, other than you know maybe confusing a few folks that have to mentally jump between observables and, and promises.
4: So let's say let's say this API supports websockets and it allows me to do things like uh, you know. Uh, stream in users uh, or stream in comments, like one comment at a time, mm. so that uh, I, you know, I, I don't have to wait for all the comments to to be delivered and to be like fetched and stuff like that. No. Uh, in order to in order to start working with them. And you talked about like observable
3: streams before. Like, is there any connection here? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, this uh, the the general type that you'd want for something like that would be an observable. Uh so here's here's one of the things about promises people don't often think about and it's because it's kind of the underbelly of coding and people know and no one really wants to think about it but error handling um if you are dealing with callbacks you get this thing called callback hell and everybody just thinks oh it's this big huge v of code and it's awful that's not actually the biggest problem with with callback hell usually the problem is error handling where you know if there's seven different steps in your asynchronous thing where there's a callback inside of a callback inside of a callback and the third step has some failure but you need to pass that failure along to some render step that exists in that seventh step, then you're you're into some functional programming nightmare of trying to get that over there. So Promises were great because they flattened all that out. You have two communication channels. You have a communication channel for a, res, a resolved value. That's what most people deal with. Then this, then this, then this, then this, then this. And then there's another channel that if there's an error, we'll, we'll pass your error along. So there's like basically two wires that you've wired up. And you can add a catch anywhere down at the end of that, that chain and it'll catch an error no matter how high up the chain it, it, uh, it came from. So uh, you've got these two different channels. Now observables, and then that solves the problem of, of trying to deal with uh, you know, errors happening in the middle of your asynchronous composition. Observables have the same thing where observables have a next channel, which is each emitted value. There's a completion channel to tell you when the observable is done. But there's also an error channel that'll tell you, "Hey, this the source here has an error sent along." So you're able to send um, errors along as well. So if you're dealing with a type or, or a thing where you've got streaming values from a WebSocket, sorry,
4: quick, quick question. So for our, you mentioned next, complete, and error. So it, next, that would be in, in this case, like whenever like a new comment or a new user like is emitted. Yes, correct. And then complete is when like all the users or all the comments are done. Would that be right?
3: Uh, complete, it, it depends on your implementation. Yeah, that, that could be it. You could, you could, uh, group them in that way, or maybe complete comes from whenever the, the server just tells you it wants to close the web socket.
4: Got it. Um, whenever it's done sending information.
3: Yeah. It could be however
4: okay. you want to implement it. You could, you could do that. Um, okay. And you can't do that with promises. You just get like with the one resolve. Right. Yeah. yeah so when everything is good God.
3: for, for things that it's only one value. It's always in the future. It can't be synchronous, um, and that one value, you're always going to get all at once. Yeah, you're the one value, you're, you're, you're going to get it. So promises, th- that's, that's one thing about promises. Another thing that's kind of interesting that people don't often think about with promises is promises are eager. So when you get a promise, um, it's, it's going to be, it, it's, whatever, whatever's happening that's going to get you the value has already been triggered by the time you have a promise. Uh, so it's guaranteed to like, give you this value at some point. But since they're eager, um, every time you have a promise, it's usually coming from a function. So every, you have to wrap every promise in a function. And the reason that everyone wraps promises in functions is because of what they really wanted is they wanted it to be lazy. No, Nobody really mm-hmm. realizes this. They just do it because it's a common pattern. They have a function that returns a promise. They have a function that returns a promise. You, don't, you never just have a promise sitting around, um, very, very rarely anyways. Uh, where observables are lazy. So you don't need functions to return observables all the time. You can just have an observable that sits there and waits for you to subscribe to it. Um, mm. So it's, so this it's kind is of like, an interesting. Yeah. So, so observables like only start working when you subscribe? That's correct. That's correct. They're, they're basically, um, you can think of them like functions. They, that Functions don't do anything unless you call them. Observables don't do anything unless you subscribe to them.
2: That makes and sense. The same way, and in the same way that, like, if you call a function multiple times, each, like, let's say you call a function and inside that function, it allocates some memory. If you call that function multiple times, each person who called that is going to get their own separate memory. And observables work the same way. Like if you subscribe to the exact same observable, multiple people do that. They're all getting their own subscription, their own implementation of that that uh, running observable, for lack of a better term. So if that observable was like a WebSocket, um, and you subscribed, you know, multiple times, you would theoretically open multiple web.
3: Yeah. Which, again, depends on the implementation of the observable.
2: Some observables that are a little more intelligent, and they'll, like the WebSocket example, they're, like the built-in WebSocket helper for RxJS will um, share the underlying single WebSocket um, so that multiple WebSockets don't get open.
5: Mm.
4: So, so we there's... Need- several things through the, from the websocket like they can be merged sort of
2: yeah you can do, you can do uh, this is a more complex topic but it just goes to show what rxjs can do but there's uh, there's something called multicasting and bidirectional multiplexing over websockets and they're, they're big words but they're they're uh, very useful terminology if you, if you are doing and solving this problems. And, and, uh, so like that, and that kind of like, RxJS is really great as just a fundamental primitive for like making Ajax requests, right? But it is a little bit overkill if you're trying to learn all of the different, uh, operators and, and paradigms. But for, for, for a lot of real world complex apps, uh, RxJS is just going to really shine once you get over that hurdle and 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 learn it. Um, basically, the, some of the harder problems it shines the most, whereas some of the easier problems it can be a little, you know, a little too much learn. That example with the with the uh, promises, you know, like doing it in the promise, doing it the promise way with like maybe the fetch API, totally fine. And if that's all, if that's like the most complex thing in your app, uh, learning RxJS might not be you know worth the effort. Um, I mean, we're biased, so we're probably going to say it is worth the effort just because we 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 know it and we love it. So Ben kind of alluded to the fact that you know Angular. I know this is a view podcast, but just to show you that RxJS is not specific to any one library. It's a great skill to learn. Angular. Double down on RxJS, and it's 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 kind of hard to I would say for most people writing an Angular app means also learning RxJS. Um, you don't have to necessarily be an expert at it, but learning the fundamentals of subscribe and unsubscribe and stuff like that. Uh, so it's just it's a skill that you know when when the new hotness UI framer comes out, it's it's a very transferable skill. It will continue with you in your career. Uh, so I do recommend it.
5: I would also say that um, we've seen a lot of people when they're trying to uh, migrate their applications, let's say to Vue from, you know, AngularJS to Vue, they'll stick all their business logic in RxJS before they port it over. Um, so it's, 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 I think a lot of large companies are actually starting to do that and, and sort of use RxJS like that. Mm-hmm. And we we joke that, you know, why learn promises? Why not just learn RxJS?
4: Right. So I I think promises are a lot easier. But yeah, Rx is like way more powerful. Whenever, personally, whenever I have a bunch of asynchronous operations that need to like interact and depend on each other, um, I always reach for RxJS. You know, it, it does take a little bit of a learning curve. So it i you know I am hesitant sometimes to introduce it to a team into a team you know just if we're going to like you know do a simple fetch from an API you know then it's maybe a little bit overkill, uh, especially if you can rely on fetch, which doesn't even need like a library
3: uh, so here's uh, a there's a fun fact about uh observables <laughs> that a lot of people so people always they, they talk about how um promises are simpler. I think the promise API is obviously simpler because there's fewer points to the API yeah less you can do. But, Right. But you can actually build a promise from observables and you can't do that the other way around. Like you can literally build a promise using Rx to build the promise API if you wanted. Um, so that it's kind, of a, it's kind of a weird thing to think about. And the, the, the thing that is interesting is so if you, were to, if you have an observable and you subscribe to it, when you subscribe, you, people generally pass three functions, but you can also just pass an object, which is called an observer. And the observer has a next method, an error method, and a complete method, and they map one to one with the three functions that you would normally uh, send in there. And the reason for that is we take those three subjects and we uh, scrub them into an observer object. Uh, when you when you take those those three functions, they they just basically just wrap it into an observer object, and we pass it to the body of the observable. The observable itself is really just a function, like it's literally a function that takes this observer object that has a next, an error, and a complete on it. And that's that's it's So if you imagine just having a function that only took that and all the things you can do with that shape of function, like it's a function, you can do anything you want with a function, you could, you know, new up a, a WebSocket or you could close an app or whatever you want to do, you can wrap that in an observable. And the interesting thing is that observables then when you subscribe to them, since they're executing a body of a function in order to set up observation and start pumping values out of themselves. They also uh, have this teardown semantic with unsubscribe where they can uh, kind of tear down the thing that you set up when you subscribed. So they they embody the setup and teardown of any resource and all the values that come out of those resources, uh, including errors if they happen. Uh, so that can pretty much represent anything you could possibly think of uh, in programming, really, uh, which is one of the reasons why uh, it's so easy to do things like take... Uh, an angular js app and literally just move all of the business logic into a reactive sort of paradigm or maybe you you do it with uh, like a redux pattern and then like redux observable or something like that and then take it and then move it over to some other uh, framework because at that point you're just using the frameworks as rendering layers right and it doesn't matter where you've moved it to you have these things that are all the same shapes like uh, like Lego bricks that when you subscribe to them, they set up whatever it is that is going to produce data, uh, be it you know, user events or you know, web sockets or whatever, uh, or animations even. And then when you unsubscribe from it, it tears those things down. And they're all the same shape, and you can combine them in whatever way you choose. And the, the real thing that I think people find difficult is uh, all the operators. The operators, uh, they have kind of obtuse names like switch map. And things like that. And it's, it's, if you're not used to reading it, uh, there's some difficulty there because it's a, it's a, uh, specific vernacular on top of JavaScript that you end up having to learn. Um, but once you have the, that vernacular, all of a sudden you have this really powerful uh, set of tools to write concise code that can do an awful lot of stuff,
6: you know, almost, almost anything really. So So then you're saying you could take you could take an observable and make it a promise. Like you can pipe two promise to it and make it thenable, but you can't take a promise and then make it observable. Is that what you just said? Uh not quite. I mean, you can you can take you can take a promise and convert it to an observable.
3: But I mean like you could literally build your own promise library mm-hmm. out of observables.
2: And he right. means and he's saying he's, he's saying he he will not touch the window.promise object at all. Because the two promise does do that. It just uses the promise, you know, the built-in promise and then wraps that he's saying that like you could do your own async scheduling like a promise does and like, you could make your own class promise and then use observable under the hood to power that so you're actually creating a promise like the, the actual implementation of it
4: that's right okay for example in case you don't like the way that promise.all works where or is it promise.all it's a promise.race I think I think one of them if it's passed an empty array then it never resolves <laughs>
2: I didn't know that.
4: I think with promise.all, it just never resolves if it's past an empty array. So you better hope, like, you better pass at least, like, one dummy promise to it. That's wonderful. Just one (laughs) promise.resolve. That's that's funny. (laughs) Or else you'll be wondering why nothing is happening.
0: This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the hosting provider I use for DevChat.tv. I also use it for my applications that manage the RSS feeds, scheduling, and sponsorships involved in delivering these shows. DigitalOcean is easy to use, has data centers all over the world, and provides terrific services, including server hosting and object storage, for delivering your web applications and assets quickly and easily. I use DigitalOcean because I love their interface. I get SSD storage for my servers, and their support replies quickly. So go check them out at DigitalOcean.com.
4: Yeah, I would think that it. So with RxJS,
3: you I could would rewrite your own Promise at all. <laughs> yeah, you could write. I mean, yeah, that's that's specifically. I'm sorry if that was confusing at all. I was I was specifically saying you could create your own, you know, like RSVP or Bluebird uh, type library um, using Rx as as the engine that powered the the promise you created.
5: Well, it's so funny, right? Because I think a lot of times, especially when I'm pairing with Ben and Jay, we do things and we're like, let's implement the Redux pattern in RxJS, which is kind of what NgRx in the Angular community. Uh, was, right, just a Redux pattern implemented in in Rx. But I think, you know, it's it's also kind of interesting because um, a lot of people think it's just for asynchronous things and they don't realize that, you know, you can use it for synchronous things as well. And um, you're not, uh, you know, Ben and I run Rx Workshop and we're, we were very surprised when RxJS core team people came And, you know, just went to the workshop to hang out, really, but they actually learned a lot because typically you're only using Rx for one specific portion of your application or one specific use case, and you don't realize all the different things you could potentially do.
3: Right. And and a lot of times... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say you can use RxJS as a transducer library if you want. That's one uh, kind of weird use case for it, where you have an array of things and you don't want to do map, filter, reduce with the array because you don't want to allocate the additional arrays in there. You just want them to you know, do each step individually. Um, the RxJS actually functions decently as a, a transducer library to do stuff like that. So that way it does you know, your filter step, and then your map step, and then your reduce step, and then produces you know, the additional array or value or whatever you're trying to do.
4: So you could actually get some like, performance improvements for
3: synchronous operations in some cases. Yeah, you can. You can. Uh, the use case around that would be if you had very large arrays with very large objects in it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if if you just have like your standard, I've got an array of numbers or something. Yeah, yeah. array filter map produce is going to be way faster than using Rx for that sort of thing. Uh, but if you have very large arrays of very large objects where you have to allocate and garbage collect and allocate and garbage collect for each step, then it's going to be a little bit faster to use RxJS. Yeah, and I w- I was just
4: thinking like if there are Um, you know, like a lot of synchronous code has the potential to become asynchronous, like at any given moment, like in different combinations. So let's say like you have two functions that you want to call and both of these functions are synchronous, but one function takes longer than the other. Uh, if you want to know when both of those are done, like you kind of have to like
3: do something asynchronous. Right, right. Uh, or, you know, the other, the other case is. Well, you got it both directions too. So let's just say that you have some data that you're currently loading synchronously from some array of data. Um, but you, at some later point, want to be able to load it via like an AJAX call or something like that. Um, then you can actually, if it's an observable, then it, the, it doesn't even matter. It's just an implementation detail. Like if, you're, if you have a function that accepts an observable and then subscribes to it and does something with the data, then it doesn't matter if that data arrives synchronously or it arrives asynchronously, because the observable can handle both cases. Um, Beautiful. So it just kind of future-proofs things. Yes.
5: I love that
2: word. Future-proof. Awesome. Yeah. future-proof.
4: For, for people who might not be familiar with it, uh, what I mean when I say future-proof <laughs> is just mean you have to do less work later. <laughs> right.
3: So that's that's actually so a reactive program so that you can work like, not as much later. So that's, that's one thing we haven't talked about is actually just that's what reactive programming kind of helps you do. Uh, so we didn't really talk about reactive programming as a higher level concept. And what that really boils down to is kind of doing things in steps where each step, gets a piece of data and it doesn't care where it came from and does something with it uh, and then passes it along to the ne- next step. And when you've got observables, like each operator, so if I, if I map an observable, it returns a new observable. If I then filter that observable, it returns a new observable. You see, like each, each step doesn't really, the filter doesn't really care that it was mapped beforehand. It just cares that oh, I've got an observable, I'm going to subscribe to it and filter it and return this new observable. So each each individual piece is responsible for reacting to data that arrives to it, right? So it's kind of like reactive programming in a nutshell. And what you end up with is this uh, step-by-step, very declarative sort of thing where you could like add another filter in between two other filters and it would change the behavior slightly. Um, that's that's kind of what reactive programming is about. So it, it helps future programming. The, the, oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say it helps, it, helps, uh, it helps future-proof things because uh, everything's kind of broken down into smaller steps. Go ahead, Jay.
2: Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I must have cut out. So the uh, I always give the example when trying to explain a reactive programming of Microsoft Excel because most of us are familiar with entering in some sort of equations, even simple ones in Microsoft Excel. If you say, like, C equals A plus B... If you change the value of A or B, C automatically updates, right? It doesn't, it, it doesn't care how A or B got updated, it just automatically recomputes the value of C. And, and that's reactive programming at its fundamental core. And you can do that same behavior in RxJS, except it's not, a, it's, it, it doesn't, it's not as simple as far as the DSL of just saying like C equals A plus B. Yeah,
4: and, and Vue can offer the, the same kind of benefit in that kind of scenario, but yeah, it definitely oh. doesn't offer the full power of, of RxJS.
5: You know, one of the, when I was looking at uh, giving a talk on reactive programming, I was looking in the Vue community and and trying to figure out where I saw sort of like reactive programming paradigms. And of course, with Vue Watchers, uh, Sarah Drassner pointed out that, you know, this was a really cool way we sort of saw that uh, implemented. But, um, you know, what can can we do to help uh, get more reactive programming paradigms implemented in Vue? Maybe you guys want to have RxJS as
1: a dependency? <laughs> I,
4: I, I don't, I, I think I can safely say that I, I don't think that'll ever happen. Uh, simply because, it, you know, if for, you know, there are so many different use cases that people are using Vue for. And for a lot of those use cases, uh, RxJS isn't something that's necessary. And right now, at least, you know, may, I, maybe, and I, I hope this will change in the future. Uh, right now, it's not something that everybody knows. It's something that relatively small percentage of programmers know, even though it's it's so powerful. And so like being able to integrate it easily is definitely something that's important to us. But uh, I don't think we need to make it a dependency if, things can work without it.
2: <laughs> and Vue has has phenomenal support for observables and especially with that that add-on. If you compare it to something like, you know, React where there's no first-class like support for any kind of observable primitive or something like that. There's been a lot of discussions and in fact they use the uh, VRX library as an as an example of something that they might do, you know, where you have that subscriptions callback or subscriptions function that gets called that to manage your subscriptions for you. Um, but at, at least at this time, there's no plans for react to, just to uh, first class it.
6: Unlike Angular, which it's first class, and you said in the latest Angular CLI and Angular 6 comes with RxJS6, right? Yeah, yeah. The well, the actual
3: CLI itself is written with I think more Rx than I've seen pretty much anywhere, uh, because you know their their whole uh, the whole build process is very reactive. But right, um, yeah, I, I would say that. I mean, if you look at the places inside of Angular that are that are actually using Rx, um, most of it is is areas like uh, specialized functionality, like the router, for example, or um, and, and I think that that's, that's actually due for uh, some updates that are probably going to make it more reactive, I would guess. Uh, or um, form validation is another area where they, they used a lot of Rx. Um, but if you look at the actual core library, like if you were to go into Angular and just build Hello World app or like a to-do app or something like that, you could do it without Rx and the bundle that it would ship would have like little to no Rx in it. Um, so it, it just all depends. I think that if someone was to write... Uh, someone could write like a slightly improved reactive view router or something like that that could have Rx as a dependency, but the view core library itself, uh, I would see little reason to, to use something like Rx in that, right? Like there's, there's with frame, frameworks, typically there's like a rendering layer. And, um, I, I don't feel like Rx has a lot of business in the rendering layer aspect of it. Um, other than you know, maybe the rendering layer supporting uh, subscribing to observable types, which doesn't really require Rx as a library. It just requires knowledge of an API.
4: Great. So w- one word that we've used a lot today is reactive. And you know, Vue has a you know, quote unquote reactivity system. And uh, like you know, the React library has like, you know, you know, react in its name. So like people are there, like, is that reactive? Like reactive can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, I imagine this is something that uh, that you all probably get questions about a lot. Like what exactly is like reactive, like reactivity? And, and what does it mean in the case of RxJS?
3: I like, I like when people ask me if RxJS is uh, like React, if it's the same thing. <laughs> I get that question more often than you could imagine. And is it? Uh, Sure, uh, no <laughs> no, not really. Uh, there's so I, I think I, I, I was talking about this a little little while ago. Um, just a few minutes ago I, I was talking about what reactive programming really is. Uh, really, I mean, if you have if you have a system or a, a piece of an application that just kind of blindly reacts to the arrival of data, like it gets some event, data arrives and then it does something with it. And passes it along as an event to the next piece in the system. That's reactive programming, and that's that's where that's kind of RxJS's wheelhouse. But that can exist in a lot of other shapes, uh, like the watchers uh, in Vue or computed properties in Ember. Uh, those, those are those are things that all have they have similar things where there's um, you know somebody updates something and that triggers uh, events to be fired that says hey something's updated. And in those cases, I believe uh, then someone's required to pull the, the data through in it. And when they pull it, it goes through and runs a bunch of functions to compute those things, right? Like, so it's, it's not like fully reactive, but it's certainly reactive in the regard that there's an event that fires... That then notifies this other thing that it wants to get some data, and it and then pulls those things through. Somewhat, slightly more imperative, or uh, yeah, view
4: view is more push based. Like when it, it lets it lets subscribers know when something
3: that it cares about changes. Right, right. So that's and that's exactly what Ember does. In fact, and, mm-hmm. and MobX is a very similar thing where they they've got a the idea is. Something you set something and uh, with uh, in MobX's case and in Ember's case, there's like a setter, and so you say set this property by some name, and here's the new value, and then uh, it notifies down this chain that hey, this has changed, and I know that you're waiting to that you're you want to read this data, and then the code that that is subscribed to that says okay, I'm going to go ahead and read that data. Uh, Redux works this way uh, as well, where you dispatch an action it goes through and updates the the state and then you subscribe and it says hey this is updated but then you have to get the state out of the store right it's the same sort of it's the same sort of paradigm so uh, you'll find this this sort of pattern all over the place And, and where it differs from rx is rx is just purely push based so every time there's an event it pushes down and does the calculation pushes down and does the calculation and so on where each step is not waiting for something to pull from it it's it's pushing those things directly. And there, there's no right or wrong here. I mean, they're both, they're both again, reactive to some degree. Like, React is like, oh, I've updated state. I'm going to react to that by rendering, um, for example. Or, or I've gotten new props, so I'm, I'm going to react to that by rendering. Um, it's, it's, it's still, they're both reactive. Um, I would just say that RxJS is more granular in its reactivity, and it's all push-based. It's great.
1: So I'd like to return back to the concept um, about uh, streams. And I was curious if you were to use RxJS with Node, how does it work with like the Node's implementation of streams versus RxJS's implementation of streams?
2: So I imagine we can all probably talk on that. I'm just going to really briefly. Uh, so the main thing is just like different streams, there's no one-size-fits-all, unfortunately. So, like reading from a disk, like like you would on in node streams, like you're doing some sort of I/O, uh, it's you're going to want a a more pull based approach.
4: Cut out again, Jay.
5: Jay, you cut out I after
2: you're going to pull based approach. Pull-based approach. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. I'll let I'll let Ben take it.
4: You guys just finish finish each other's sentences. Yes, yes. <laughs> and our, and each other's sandwiches. Um, ooh, I won't, <laughs> okay. I won't go into that. I won't go
3: into that. No. <laughs> Um I'm sorry I watched Tangled with my kids the other day. Um all right. So so no, it was frozen. That's from Frozen. Hashtag frozen. Hashtag frozen. All right. Um get it right, Ben. Man. Get it right, Ben. Fail. Dad fail. Uh so yeah, in in uh in node and in backend services, you've got this idea where in, in the front end you're the end of like the chain of data flow like between different applications. So it it just the 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 data is coming in like a wave and just kind of crashing against the user, right? Like that's the end of your, your application chain. But in I like your, that metaphor. <laughs> in your, in your back end, uh, what you have is you've got, you've got data coming in one way in the form of requests, and then you're processing them some, somehow, and you're probably going off and making a, a call to some database, and you've got data coming in the other direction in the, in the form of some response from the database scrubbing it back and then sending that along to the user so you're kind of this middleman broker when you're when you're in the back end usually and back end processes because of that there's there's more of a push pull uh, sort of aspect to it where the front end you're just kind of pushing things at the user usually um, or pushing things back at the server uh, it in the, the middle tier you've got this aspect of, uh, you know, I've got a request I need to send a response. and so. Um, Reactive programming in those in those sorts of scenarios, especially with uh, especially with the guaranteed responses, uh, a lot in a lot of cases in the just the request response type situation, a promise is probably a little bit better because those are like non cancelable events. Like if if you get an HTTP request, you need to respond. You're not going to like cancel that on the user because of something. Now, if you have a different type of system where Let's just say um, you're aggregating. Like, say, say you're taking all the log files that you get and you want to, you want to aggregate those real-time. So you get some sort of stream to show, like here's like real-time errors or something happening in a, in a system. And this is actually something they did at Netflix. Then uh, you want to try to process a stream of things as quickly as possible. And things like Rx uh, can help you with that. Uh, so that w- how you would use Rx on like a node service would be, Something like saying, uh, okay, well, I'm going to have this service publish events to some bus. And then you'd have uh, a node service that read events off of that bus and reacted to them and said, oh, well, I've got all of these log events. I'm going to filter out just to the ones that are errors and pass that along to another service that is reading events from a bus that says, I'm only looking for error events. I'm going to take all those error events and aggregate them so I can get a count that I release once every five seconds and like. Some some sort of way that that things can tolerate because a million notifications a second. Uh, hopefully, there's not a million errors a second, but a million notifications a second is going to be too much for my UI to handle. So I'm just going to get some aggregation and send that along. And um, things like reactive programming are are is ideal for solutions like that, uh, where you know your average uh, imperative uh, pull based mechanisms are going to suck for that because you'd have to pull or something like that. It's going to be pretty pretty gross uh so that's kind of how you'd end up using that uh you can you can also do things where if you want to process records as fast as possible that are streaming in you can have uh kind of the snake eating its own tail sort of design where you have a an rxjs subject which is both an observer and an observable and it whenever whenever a value comes out of that subject you, you react to it by processing it in whatever way you need to and then whenever it gets down to the end of that process, it actually nexts back into that subject and, and uh, that requests another value and it kind of just consumes itself over and over and over again. So you, you kind of get a an endless cycle of, of uh, work being done uh, as fast as possible. So that's, that's kind of another way to go about it. But there's other types that work really good for that, that like async iterators and that sort of thing. Uh, also. They're also reactive. I mean, technically promises are a reactive type. Uh, so.
4: So is that is that endless cycle, the, you know, dot snake eating its own tail method? Yes. That's is, that how, is that how you call that?
3: Implement snake eating its own tail method. No, there's actually there actually is one operator in RxJS that does this for you uh, to a degree, which is uh, the expand operator. Uh, and what expand does is it's very much like a merge map where you take a value and you map it into an, an observable, it then subscribes to that observable and pumps the values of that observable out, but it also takes those values and pumps them back into the same function that you use to map to a new observable, so it's recursive in that manner. so you can you can do some pretty nutty stuff with that, crawl asynchronous graphs and et cetera
4: I, th- I think the the latest Rx is pretty extensible though you said right so so would i yeah. be able to make my own snake eating its own tail like utility yeah. class or to utility yeah, method
3: absolutely you can build build your own snake eating its own tail operator so cool pretty, pretty simple just higher order function you're, you're good nice look forward to that you look forward to that pull request
4: mm-hmm. okay. I, i'm just kidding i'll just keep yeah. it in user land i'll publish my own library <laughs> that's
3: good that's good <laughs>
4: I'll have a lot of cryptic ones. I want to do another one with like wave crashing against the sand. Yes. I, I, think, I think my this utility uh, like library collection will be called Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, it's like the very the very poetic um, version of chat. <laughs> yeah, it's like using poetic metaphors to explain things. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that. So I I've, nice. I've used um I've used Bacon.js previously. i not I've not used RxJS, but I've used Bacon.js for functional reactive programming and I was curious um, from your perspective what you see the difference between Bacon.js and RxJS is have if you've used it um if you, or if you're familiar.
3: Um I'm I'm familiar with it. Uh so Bacon it's been a it's been a long time since I've looked at it honestly, but um Looking at a few differences, I feel like uh, it didn't. It it didn't have the same sort of unsubscription mechanism uh, as RxJS. Uh, I don't remember if it was forced multicast or not. I think that it may have been. So, forced multicast basically means that everyone that subscribes to an observable gets the same um, subscription. Basically, like they they share a subscription to a single thing. Uh, I would need to look at that. I know that there are some libraries. Um, there's uh, was one that Andre Stalts wrote that's called uh, Xtreme, I think, which is 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 like that. Um, so there there are some differences between RxJS and these other libraries. Um, and I, I think the the one that probably stands out the most is RxJS. Uh, well, RxJS is, is easily the most popular, but. I think that's in large part because of the adoption of, of RxJS at some bigger companies and the efforts to try to standardize an observable type that looks a lot like RxJS is observable. Um, I mean, other than that, the what they're all doing under the hood is ridiculously similar. I mean, it's they usually have three communica- three communication channels. There's usually some sort of cancellation. You know, they're all they're all great. Most JS is another really good one. Uh, Kefir is is another one. Um, all great libraries, all do very similar things. All of them actually have interop with RxJS also, uh, which is, is something that I helped work on uh, a few years ago. What do you mean ago, so. by that? What do you mean they have interop with RxJS? So, um, any object that implements uh, a method on symbol.observable. So, if you if you have symbol, observable, polyfilled, and you Put a property on an object with Symbol. Observable that is a function that returns uh, basically an RxJS shaped observable. Uh, RxJS will be able to convert that to an RxJS observable with From, or any or any method actually that you could normally return an observable. Uh, likewise, most JS I know for a fact does it, and, and uh, Bacon and Keffer does it as well. Uh, you could take any object that had Symbol. Observable in and um, just convert those to those observable types as well. So that's what I mean by interop. Um, there's a, there's a little-known feature on uh, Redux. A Redux store actually implements symbol observable. So you can take a Redux store and say, and use RxJSs from, and just make a, a, a stream of state from a Redux store directly uh, by just converting it. So it's, that's what I mean by interop. Cool, cool. I,
4: I think I've been pronouncing it wrong because I've been pronouncing it Kiefer. Oh, I think this maybe. might be another, this might I be another Plum moment. Uh, oh, you know. say Kiefer too? Yes. Oh, wow, I'm not, so I'm, I'm not probably, wrong one this
3: time. I'm, I'm probably wrong. Nobody told me how to pronounce that. I just pulled that out of my butt, so.
5: <laughs> for Kiefer, but anytime Chris pronounces something, it's, it's committed. I assume
4: it's wrong anytime I pronounce something differently.
5: <laughs> no, you're the first person that said Plum to me and it's just, that's, it's Plum. Has it caught up? Nobody on? should ever see PWA anymore.
4: Are the people saying that now?
5: I'm saying it. I tell everybody to say it.
4: Pois, And you should look at them you should look at them wrong when they say PWA. Like like in a what? shaming way. Like what? Pwa? What are you saying? Right. No, you don't PWA? I say f- you you don't laugh. think oh. anyone has P-W-A. ever P-W-A. called it. That.
7: And then you okay. chuckle, right?
3: Yeah. Or no, you just say pwa like a question after they say it. So I then we P-W-A, PWA and then you go PWA?
4: I worked with <laughs> people that <laughs> called them PWA. Why on earth would you pronounce the letters of an acronym?
1: <laughs> you want a Le Qua with your with your <laughs> See, yeah. you said Lacroix. I'm like,
5: La Croix? <laughs>
4: I pronounce it La Croix too, actually. La Croix? Do people say La Croix? California water. I just or, California. or was the joke? Oh, no, I think you... That was the joke. Told a funny joke, and then I didn't get it. Because I wasn't... I, I needed the ketchup. Okay.
0: <laughs> it won't load unless you uh, go to the right Earl. Right Earl. Yes. Yep, yep. Go to the Earl. Lol. <laughs>
3: Does that mean that all we're right. done
0: talking about serious stuff? Probably.
4: Well, does anyone else have any questions about uh, you know observables or reactivity? Uh, you know, doing doing this cool asynchronous stuff in Vue.
5: Well, if you want to learn about RxJS, you can always come to Rx Workshop. Uh, ben is giving all of the proceeds, all of his proceeds to, from Rx Workshop to um, different women who code woman not woman who code specifically but like how do we say it now yes.
3: the charity is women who code so d- different charities uh every time uh and yeah. usually focused on underrepresented groups so yes and that's really that. so, any underrepresented
4: group so where and when for these workshops so,
5: we well, like the next one on is, yeah next one's june 9th but they happen kind of on a quarterly basis um so and they're framework agnostics, so you can come and, you know, you, you, if you're doing Vue or anything else exciting, you can, you can just learn Rx with us. Well, on um, a
4: quarterly basis, but it could stop at any time, so people should jump on it right away, right?
5: Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we also do uh, p- private trainings as well for for like your company if your whole team wants to learn or something like that, and we do one on one pairing and mentoring and stuff like that. We're, we all work we all um, you know work together. Tracy, Ben, and I on on this this dot project at this dot company. Um, ben works at Google still full time, and Ben and I met at Netflix when we worked together previously, but that's how we all know each other.
5: Yes, and then somehow yeah. somehow we're all talking about RX.
4: And this dot helped us, or actually, really, when I say helped us, I mean, did almost all of the work for planning View Contributor Days, which <laughs> will have happened by the time this comes out, but it's not yet happened. So we can't tell any like funny stories about it or anything like that.
5: Yes. Mm-hmm. About how everybody fell asleep two hours in.
3: <laughs> we, we did our uh, Contributor Days a while ago, and it, it was very productive. I, I liked it a lot. So This will be our first, so I, I'm really excited about it. The Angular team did one, too, and there was a lot of really positive feedback from that.
5: Yeah, we're actually doing Angular Contributor Days um, tomorrow as well. I wasn't Uh, invited. I know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not
3: on the (laughs) Angular team. I am on the Angular team.
5: I know. Why aren't you invited? It's so strange. I must not like you anymore.
3: I know. It must be (laughs) personal, yeah.
5: (laughs) JavaScript is personal. Have you seen the Twitter outrages? (laughs) What are they called?
3: (laughs) MooshGate. Okay.
5: Yes, but Ben, the real question is: Are you going to? Are you going to? Are you going to rename? Have you gotten enough excitement to rename of to just?
3: Uh you know, I, I don't think so. It seems okay. like so. There's exactly. a there's an issue about renaming of to just, and the community is split on it. So I think we're just going to go with the status quo. So <laughs> observable right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, but, but it's it not uh, it's not unobservable anymore. You just use it directly because that's much more tree shakeable, right? Like it's, it's so oh, cool apps smaller. Uh, and some people didn't like of, cause they thought it was too ambiguous. Um, so it really is more low dashy. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's, everything's a lot trying to be a lot smaller. Um, so, yeah. So the, the smush gate, I don't know if I've, if, if everyone here is familiar with the story, but the smush gate thing has special meaning for, for me and maybe Jay a little bit
5: too. <laughs> oh, this is so funny.
3: Yeah. Uh, so Jay and I concocted this really great idea that on April Fool's Day, we were going to uh, publish a version of RxJS that renamed all the merge operators to var- variations of the word smush. So instead of like merge map, it was smush map and so on, and smush all I think was in there and all these other things. So oh my gosh, smush map, I want it. <laughs> yeah, so we so we did this, and I published it under because right at the time we were still RxJS 6 was still in uh, beta or just newly in beta and i published it uh, as smush 6.0.0-smush.1 and thinking like okay this is this is fine I'm going to do that well thinking that people will get the joke well all right, so yeah so the joke aside <laughs> so the joke was well the joke part was well received and or confusing for people which is fun The problem was that if you publish a semantic versioning works as such, and and nobody but I think Igor Minar knew this, uh, at least amongst my group of friends. Um, If you like semantic versioning accounts for like alphanumeric things, like that, that, that dash beta or dash alpha afterwards isn't like a namespacing thing. It's actually alphanumeric. And it's just by virtue of the fact that beta comes after alpha that you'll pick up beta. If you've if you've done like carrot 600 alpha or whatever, right? So if you did carrot 600 beta dot one and I publish 6000 smush dot whatever, oh, no. then you automatically oh, no. get smush, right? So so yeah, I broke the internet for like a minute. And the problem was that normally you can unpublish these things. However, RXJS falls under a, a special group of libraries on NPM that get special consideration in that so many apps depend on it that it gets picked up as a dependency very quickly uh, within like seconds kind of thing. And therefore they can't unpublish it because they're worried about breaking other people. <laughs> so that meant that I could not continue to publish beta or I'm sorry, I was in release candidate. I was in release. candidate. I could not continue to publish release candidates because they were uh, alpha alphanumerically before smush like i need to publish something with s or higher so it had to be a smush candidate basically i could have called it smush candidate um i ended up calling it uh things like uh tenacious and like other stupid words like that started with either s or um (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous you can look in the the changelog uh has the gory details but uh let's see it's starting with oh yeah so it was RC zero, and then right after that, six um, zero zero dash tactical RC one, and then tenacious RC two, terrific RC three, turbo RC four, Uber RC five, you can do it RC six, <laughs> uncanny RC seven, and so on. Like and eventually we got out to the release, but that was all my doing. Um, well, thank awesome. God it was in I wasn't. I blame Jay a little bit. That that's a mistake I could have made too. I blame Jay a little bit because he, he encouraged me. <laughs> I don't want to have all the blame on me,
4: but at least, at least, you know, you told them, you told them about the plan, you know, you told Tracy, you maybe might've told some other people about the plan and none of them caught it. So I think at that point you're covered.
3: Yep. Yep. So the, the only person that, that pointed out it was a problem was, uh, was Igor Minar, um, who probably saved some people. Like it might've taken me a day or two to realize that what kind of weird problem it was, but <laughs> pretty, pretty ridiculous.
0: All right. Well, let's, let's do some picks. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Um, Chris, do you want to start us off with picks?
4: Sure. I only have one pick today. It's a it's a very special pick, like a very special episode. And that is backup your data more than weekly. Oh, no. If you have a backup system that uh, you think like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I do a full backup of everything weekly. And then, like, a backup of, like, a lot of other important stuff daily, you should be fine, right? Apparently not. Last night, I deleted uh, all of my notes for, like, an important project that I've been working on, and it took me two days of work, like, working, like, literally the whole day to compile those notes. And uh, we'll see if I am able to recover them. That's not good. That's fun, huh? (laughs) This project does have a deadline, <laughs> uh, so back up your data, everyone. Uh, you, we I don't do we have a do we have a backup data sponsor? You can use we can we can plug them right now if you want.
0: <laughs> no, that was my first tech job out of college. It Was Mosey. Okay, well, use Mosey,
4: use Backblaze, use literally anything to back up like more often. Uh, yeah, do more do more things in the cloud. Or do more things in the cloud. Just like don't own a computer that has a hard drive.
5: <laughs> well, I just, I just switched from what Google Drive to Google Drive Sync or whatever it's called. And I just started deleting things. And I probably should have only deleted one thing to see if that folder was deleted on the internet. And apparently when you delete it from your computer, it deletes on the internet too. So <laughs> who knows what I've deleted? But I've deleted a lot of things that I'm pretty sure can't be recovered.
0: I've got some good news on that front because um, I've made the same mistake. I have the sync on my computer. Um, mm-hmm. It moves it to trash for 30 days. So if you go yeah. into Google Drive and you look at the trash, you should be able to recover it unless it's been too long.
5: Wow. Well, thank you for that tip. <laughs> yep.
0: You are welcome. Uh, Divya, do you have some picks for us?
1: Yes. I also have one pick and it is, it is not a sad pick. It is an informational pick. Um, I... When I was first introduced to reactive programming, I found uh, this gist that Andre Stalls created called the Introduction to Reactive Programming You've Been Missing. Very useful. He explains things in extreme detail uh, and includes diagrams, which makes it really easy for you to grok concepts that are, you know, otherwise slightly complicated. So that's my pick.
6: Nice. Eric, what are your picks? Uh, I got a Visual Studio Code extension called Bracket Pair Colorizer. So the extension allows matching brackets to be identified with colors. The um, user can define which characters to match and which colors to use. So it's just kind of a nice little extension for your Visual Studio code. And uh, I love that. I use it too. Yeah, it's great. And uh, I actually I got that um, from our friends at Syntax.fm, Mr. West Boss, Scott Delinsky, another great podcast out there, if you guys are interested. Yep, that's a good one.
0: Joe, what are your picks?
7: All right, so uh, I want to chime in here on the backup thing. I use Backblaze, and I really like it. So I'll plug them since it's a topical issue at the moment. I also went and saw Solo, and it was awesome. So if you haven't gone to see it, if you're holding out because it hasn't gotten the most amazing reviews, I still highly recommend that you see it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, And finally, just a reminder to everybody that the Framework Summit is coming up. Uh, I think we'll be selecting talks right about the time this comes out. So speakers and sessions should be published pretty shortly after that. Beautiful Salt Lake City, well, Park City, Utah, October 2nd and 3rd. Come and hang out and talk about Vue, learn about Vue.
0: Do we know some of the people who are going to be speaking yet?
7: Yeah, there's already a fairly large list of speakers that's been published. Um, it's already on there, but we're you know, the CFP, uh, hasn't finished up. It won't finish up till I think June 15th or so. And the selections will happen over the next week or something like that. But there's a fair amount of speakers already listed. You could head over to the framework and check out the amazing list of speakers. Probably the most amazing of the list would be our own Chris Fritz. <laughs> Woo. I don't think I can claim to be the most amazing. It's a, it's a pretty good lineup. It is a pretty good lineup. So a lot of awesome speakers. Uh, so such, it's such an amazing lineup that Chris Fritz is one of the pack. That's
0: how yeah, amazing. Really we go. scraping
4: the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it doesn't tell you much, but you know you know that people are going to be at least okay.
7: Right. <laughs> No, I'm really excited. This is going to be a fantastic speaker lineup, but I'm so excited to see some of the amazing talk ideas that are coming out of it. So those are
0: my picks. All right. Um, I guess I'll jump in with some picks real quick. Um, my wife went out of town for a couple of days, and so, of course, I had to make dinner. And uh, I, I guess I should pre- uh, preface this pick by saying that uh, my wife watches um, MasterChef Junior with my kids, and they really enjoyed it. Um, so I'll, I'll pick that, um, cause it's kind of a fun show to watch, especially these little kids that are cooking these amazing meals, but, um, also related to that. So, um, I have an instant pot and that's my other pick. Um, and it does pressure cooking, slow cooking, it has a whole bunch of different, um, cook settings on it. Um, but, uh, I used the pressure cooker to cook some pork and my six year old said, um, dad, you know masterchef the adult version you should be on that so you can make pretty good food with the instant pot i'll just say that good enough for the adult version of, of masterchef um tracy do you want to go next
5: yes i'll chime in and say i love the instant pot and i really don't like buying things unless you're talking about purses and we could make crap about that, but besides, uh, <laughs> oh, and whiskey these days. Um, but uh, yeah, instant pot is definitely. I bought it, and you know, it's so life changing because you can literally make dinner in you know five to ten minutes, mm. uh, which is awesome. So, mm. I love it. I have a pick. My pick will be Beauty Fix, which is a subscription box. It's twenty five dollars a month. But um, men and women care care about their skin, right? And so Beauty Fix is this great subscription box where it just gives you a bunch of like lotions and shampoos and it doesn't give you makeup. Um, and it gives you all these like really high-end brands. So I highly recommend it. And then my second book is going to be Blanton's because I'm staring at 15 bottles of Blanton's I bought. So oh, if you guys like w- Blends, Blanton's. <laughs> 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 so if y'all, if y'all like whiskey and... You're not in a heavily regulated state. You should go to your local liquor store and try to find some Blantons, and uh, Blantons. Pick, pick some of it up. Yeah, and, you, and then you can drink it and say Blantons like man Sorry, <laughs> Tr-
3: Tracy took me on this odyssey one time where she was trying to buy Blantons everywhere, and the only thing I could do is to say Blantons over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> I
5: spent six like, hours Blantons. driving around California trying to find all the Blantons. I found Blantons. 15 bottles of Blantons.
3: I, I think the problem was she said the word Blantons like 15 times a minute. So I started <laughs> I started saying Blantons.
1: That's the bottle with the horse on it. Yes.
5: Right? Yeah. Yes. I got my Blantons.
3: Yep. Now every time you see it, you can think about me saying Blantons. Because I say it pretty much every time Tracy says Blantons.
0: Blantons. <laughs> nice. Ben, do you have some picks for us?
3: Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. So stuff I'm really excited about, the RxJS docs have been moved over to the new beta docs. We're still working on getting um, uh, the domain pointed at it, but if you go to reactivexio slash RxJS where the docs were, it now redirects you to some Firebase-hosted docs um, uh, that are being pulled directly from the documentation in the source, finally, and there's kind of like one unified place for documentation. People have been working really hard on it. Uh, So the RxJS docs are probably my first pick, and then, um, you know, if, if you get a little curious about what's coming up in the future, I'm also working on uh, some cool stuff in the experimental branch on RxJS if you want to go in and poke around. Um, still experimental, nothing's written in stone, but uh, it's, the library is going to be a lot smaller and faster. Uh, and then finally, my, my final pick is uh, I would encourage everyone to stop and take a break and get up and walk around and get some exercise, go to the gym if they can. Um, I go to the gym pretty much every day. I like it a lot. I think it improves my work, my daily, my daily work. So, and I don't think it gets talked about enough in, in tech that a lot of us are sitting around with weird shoulder and neck and back problems because we sit in chairs and, and uh, work on code all day. So, so get up and get out and get some fresh air. That's, my, no, that's probably my number one pick. It's best advice. And Ben is ripped and toned.
4: Like, you can't see it because this is an audio <laughs> medium, but it's not.
3: if you could. It's not at all true.
0: <laughs> yeah, we remodulated his voice. He really sounds
3: like this. Right. I do sound like that a little. It's so deep, like the
4: human ear can't hear it. He has to use a special microphone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if, if people want to stay up on RxJS or anything like that, uh, where do they go?
3: Uh, if, if they want to stay up on it, the, the best thing you can do is follow all three of us on Twitter, uh, underscore j Phelps, uh, at Ben Lesh. And of course at Lady Leap, um, probably Tracy more than me, cause she's more of a Twitter bug than I am. Um, and, uh, otherwise the, the best resources are going to be at the documentation site or on the repository. I, I really encourage people to go and check out the issues and, and, um, no file issues and that sort of thing if, if they have questions or concerns. But yeah, the best place to be is, is probably the repository.
5: Especially for people who maybe are experimenting with if you and RxJS after this podcast, um, getting on there and providing real world examples or links to blog posts or different things like that. We super welcome those types of things. And awesome. we need them. And you can look at the issues on GitHub or again, just ping me.
0: Sounds good. All right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thank you guys for coming.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much Thanks for having, for having us.
0: Yeah, we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot to learn more.